everyone, and welcome to this segment of Lanisha Talks on the So Here's What Happened podcast. As many of you may or may not know, I am covering the South by Southwest Film Festival for But Why Though again for the third time in a row. And even though my festival coverage is virtual this year due to the pandemic, I am still very excited to see all the amazing films premiering at the festival this year. On this episode, I got the opportunity to speak with the filmmakers of Who We Are, A Chronicle of Racism in America, a documentary that is directed by Emily and Sarah Kunstler, produced by Jeffrey Robinson, Emily Kunstler and Sarah Kunstler, and written by Jeffrey Robinson. The film follows ACLU Deputy Legal Director Jeffrey Robinson's groundbreaking talk on the history of U.S. anti-Black racism. It is interwoven with archival footage, interviews, and Robinson's story, exploring the enduring legacy of white supremacy and our collective responsibility to overcome it. The shocking murder of George Floyd and the ensuing swell of protests across the country have forced a reckoning, not just with police brutality against Black Americans, but with the painful history of slavery and anti-Black racism in America. Who We Are, A Chronicle of Racism in America is a documentary feature film that confronts this history head on. I hope you guys enjoy this discussion. Thank you both, thank you all again for taking out the time to talk with me today. And if you don't mind introducing yourselves. Uh, I'm Jeff Robinson, director of the Who We Are Project. Um, I'm Emily Kunstler, uh, one of the directors of the film. And I am Sarah Kunstler, the other director of the film and Emily's sister. Awesome, well, thank you. So we can just go ahead and dive right into the questions. How did the three of you come together to make this film? I am, this is Sarah, um, I, I am a lawyer and I went to a continuing legal education seminar um, where Jeff was the speaker and um, his topic was a condensed version of his talk on 400 years of um, anti-Black racism in America. And um, hearing Jeff's talk changed my life. and. Uh, I couldn't look at the world the same after kind of learning the history that he presented. And um, I um, left the courthouse where I took the CLE. I called Emily and I and I said, we have to we have to film this. We have to you know make this into a, a movie. We have to share it with people. And that's how it started. Awesome. No, and I would say after watching the documentary, I definitely feel. Um, the way that you, Jeff, um, Jeffrey, sorry, um, described the history just made me like open my eyes. It's very eye-opening. Um, so like, it, that, that was awesome. Well, um, it was eye-opening for me too, because it wasn't like I knew this stuff my entire life. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it, was, uh, <clears throat> it was also eye-opening to meet Sarah and Emily. And, uh, you know, I, 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 knew them by reputation but then i got to know them personally and mm -hmm. uh this was quite an odyssey and i don't know well what i do know i don't know who else i could have done it with but what i can say is that i could not have done it with people that i didn't come to distrust completely mm -hmm. and uh that is why it's, it's one of the main reasons why the film is as powerful as it is. Awesome. That's just 
that's really beautiful that you all have that trust with one another to make this project possible. So I, I love that. Um, my next question, when you set out to make a documentary about racism in America, what were your goals for this film? And did you think there would be any challenges along the way? <laughs> Who's that a question for? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I guess, I, I guess um, uh, you, Emily, and you, Sarah, if you, if you guys could like provide some insight to that. And Jeff, if you have anything con to contribute to that, uh, feel free also. Um, where, well, our, our goals are, are really Jeff's goals. I mean, Sarah saw this presentation. She had this experience. Um, when I saw it for the first time, I had the same experience and we wanted to share that experience with as many people as possible. We wanted to make a film that mimicked that experience, that really, that eye-opening mm -hmm. experience where the next day of your life, you, um, you can't walk down the same streets and look at them in the same way, you know, that where you're more inclined to commit yourself to having a greater understanding um, and a greater commitment to, to, to justice. So, so that was our that was our goal, and to and to try to, to reach the greatest audience possible, to reach to reach an audience through education, through you know through general media consumption, any way we possibly could, was just to get Jeff's message out there. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I, I don't know that I had any expectations because I I never planned on making a movie, and when they came to me. <clears throat> And we talked about it. I think for a while it was just like, oh yeah, that's we're doing this thing, and that's what they call it. And uh, when we did the presentation in town hall in New York on Juneteenth in 2018, that that's when it really became real. And from that moment, I think I think it was better for me not to know anything about the film industry or to not. That I didn't know anything about the road we were about to embark on because I would have been more intimidated. I think had I known, I still would have done it, but I would have been more intimidated. But uh, I think I came into this with no expectations, except that I wanted the largest number of people possible to see this. And uh, we are going down that road. And I know um, you're, I mean, this is audio or this is an interview, but um, you know, Jeff is black and Emily and I are white. Um, mm -hmm. And um, one of the things and, and, and that uh, pulled me into it from the start was the way Jeff presents his history is a history that has been stolen from all of us. He says, our history has been stolen from all of us and, and it is our job, all of us, black and white, you know, uh, people of all races to get this American history back. Um, and it's not, you know, the history of anti-Black racism in America is not just a history of um, uh, the oppression of Black people, the, resi the resistance of Black people. It's also a history of white supremacy. Um, and as a history of white supremacy, it's a history that white Americans need to own um, as much as it's, it's a history that Black Americans need to own. Awesome. Well, I feel like that kind of answers my next question, but I'll, I'll still ask it in case. <laughs> no, but I, I love that because I feel like me being a black woman, I've been asked many times like in classes because I, right now I'm in grad school and I'm in a, um, a social change, um, entrepreneurs for social change and the subject of like, how do we solve racism? And obviously it's not being asked and like me targeted, like how do you black woman want racism to be solved? I'm like, <laughs> 
<laughs> one person. <laughs> and I don't think solving it starts with me. It, it, it truly does take everyone. And I, I love how you said that, because like you said, this is a universal problem for our country. It's not a Black issue. It's not going to only be solved by Black people. It's going to take the work of others. And like, that's just so beautiful. I, I love, I love how you said, how you put that. Um, but I'll, as I was saying, the next question that I want to ask is just as filmmakers to you and Emily and Sarah, um, how did you get into the subject of racism and systematic oppression? Like, have you always been interested in social and racial justice or were you inspired by something specific to make this film? Um, but I think you might've answered that already, but feel free if you want to reiterate anything. I, I mean, we, we grew up in a very, um, in a in a home where anti-racist philosophy was was sort of religion um and, and social justice work was um what our family was committed to so um both of our parents um our father was a civil rights attorney our mother continues to be wow. um and we knew that we would do something in that vein we just didn't know what path it would take and our path um sarah is also an attorney but but um, our path in large part has been through through the creation of media. Um, we mm -hmm. started a, a production company together in 2000 um, to highlight particular instances of injustice um, in the uh, American legal system. Um, and we've been making advocacy films, clemency films, um, films for people um, on death row for the last 20 years. Um, so that's, we've never really done anything else. <laughs> um, wow. So this, um, so finding Jeffrey and and Jeffrey trusting in us uh, us enough to um, to work with us was really a dream come true. That was Emily. I don't know. Maybe we should say this is Emily. This is Sarah before we talk because I feel like we have very similar voices. We have um, we have the same voice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but one thing I wanted to add to that is that we um, in two thousand nine Emily and I made a film together. Um, uh, William Kunstler, Disturbing the Universe, which is uh, was a, a documentary about our dad's life. Um, and part of what uh, making that film about was um, was about legacy. Um, it's about responsive social responsibility. It's about what one generation passes to the next. And one of the things that our father it was really important to our father to teach us as children was that all white people were racist, right? And it's, it's kind of a provocative statement. And I think it's something that, that in you know, the, the 80s and 90s when he was saying it to us was probably a less common thing to say to, to, to your children or to say you know, socially than it is now. Um, but, and, it was, and it was something that as children, we kind of struggled with this idea. How is he telling us? How is our father telling us that we're racist? What does he mean by that? Is he saying something negative to us? Is he insulting us? Is he, and, um, you know, one of the things we learned growing up, and I think reinforced while making that film, was that was understanding that 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 when, if you have privilege, you're a beneficiary of racism, and you move through the world um, exercising that racism and that privilege, right? You're you're racist whether you want to be, whether you're well intentioned or not, um, and and that was that was the the life experience um, and the that Emily and I brought to. When we when we saw Jeff for the first time, and 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 his talk um, kind of dovetailed with 
a, a mission we feel that, that was passed on to us from birth mm -hmm. <laughs> to 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 um, to work to work on our own racism and to and to chart an anti-racist path and to help in ever in whatever way we can um, move this country forward. When I first met them, I hadn't heard them say this yet, so I didn't know this. I knew who their father was, and that name brought some credibility. But I also know that you know children of people who do fantastic things can often be really screwed up. And so I, but I also knew uh, from uh, one of my closest friends from law school who is a criminal defense lawyer in New York uh, and he knew Sarah. And so I immediately talked to him and he said, these two women are the real thing. And uh, and then, of course, the best way that you can determine that is, you know, you talk to people who know people, you listen to what people say, but ultimately it's what people do and how they uh, comport themselves and what their actions say that is the loudest and most important thing. And what I found is that what Emily and Sarah just described to you is an accurate description of who they are and how they do their work. And that's why I was thrilled to partner with them. That's awesome. Um, my next question is again towards the group. So feel free to answer um, or, or to contribute to it however you wish. The film feels like it's a culmination of so much from recounting historic events, referencing current events involving uh, police altercations to breaking down how white supremacy is embedded in our country's foundations and laws with vibrant storytelling. I have to know what went into planning and the production for this film to do all of that in a cohesive way. Um, well, planning. We so so Jeff travels around the country uh, giving this presentation. Um, mm -hmm. and after we, we filmed um, the seven camera shoot um, in town hall, we, we started traveling with him. So wherever Jeff okay. would go, we would, we would bring a, a very small crew, um, pile into a, 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 a white van and um, try to track down interviews with people, um, real life historians or, or people whose lived experience um, was, was relevant to Jeff's presentation. So the film came together rather organically. You know, it wasn't so much planning, but but chance and luck and just you know, sort of uh, magic happening at every at every you know every place we landed. Uh, we would find these these amazing stories, and after, after every trip, we'd say that trip was the best one we've taken yet. I can't believe we're going to have another trip. You know, that was that nothing to top that trip. And then the next trip, we you know we would have the same experience over again. Um, so it was just, you know, it was, it was three years of that. Um, mm. And, uh, and then, um, and then when the pandemic hit, we stopped shooting. So that was, so that was, the, you know, the end of, of, of our traveling. Um, and we put the film together from, from, from the stories we had collected, but we really, you know, it, we were very lucky with the, with the people we met and um, the trust that they had in us. And this is Sarah. We also had Jeff. And we had Jeff and a talk that he's been honing for um, almost 10 years at this point, and he's given mm. over 100 times. So that was that talk is the backbone of the film. So really, 
um, the talk informs everything else. Everything else is built around uh, Jeff's words, Jeff's work, Jeff's presentation. And I think it's just the, the, the significant thing is the timeline. That's, that's how I was trained as a criminal defense lawyer. If you have a complex set of facts, put them into a timeline and just see what mm -hmm. the timeline tells you. And when you start doing that and just saying what people said and what they did and putting those things together in a timeline, all of a sudden, uh, you get very different answers to questions like, why are there so many Black people in prison? Why is there a wealth gap between Black and white in America, people in America? And you get very different answers when you understand that history. So I think we always had the time, and at least in my mind, and this is why I say it was easier for me not knowing how difficult it was. You know, this was, we always had the timeline. What Sarah and Emily had to do once the filming was done and putting together the timeline and the presentation and the interviews, that's something that, uh, uh, you know, I just saw different stages of it as it was produced. And you'll have to, I still don't know how they did that. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that I would add that's that's central um, to the to the structure and the arc of the film is is Jeff's personal story. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Jeff didn't want to be on camera. You know, telling his personal story in the beginning because it's really not an easy thing to do. Um, but he trusted us, and and he did, and he brought us in um, to his to his childhood, to 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 some very important experiences of his life that that made him who he is. And I think that story. Um, of Jeff as, as, a, as a person, as a human being, um, really uh, brings people in in a, in a totally different way than they would have been brought in another way. Yeah, I, I cannot agree more. Um, I just have to say, like, I applaud you all because, um, like, like you said, the story itself just being built up around the talk, I think, is what really got, it, it's what pulled me into the film. Um, but I, it's just like when, you know, when you have discussions about racism in America, I feel like it's very challenging because like we know there's so many different parts of it. And it's just like when you talk about slavery and then when you talk about the police altercations that people like that, that occur. And then when you talk about the after effects and white supremacy, it's I feel like in conversations with people like one to one, it's not oh, the easiest thing to have and for people to connect the dots. But your film just it's like eye-opening in the way I'm like, oh my God, everything is connected. Like I've known it's connected, but mm -hmm. it's like, oh my God, everything's connected. It's just like in Limitless when he takes the pill and your eyes are just like, I see it. <laughs> it's, it's, just, the, I, uh, it's the same experience that I had as I was putting a lot of this together and thinking mm -hmm. no one ever taught me this and how come I didn't know this? And mm -hmm. I never knew this was connected to that. And you start putting those things together and as a criminal defense lawyer, uh, you know, my thought was, okay, how can I disprove this? Where are the things that will let me say? And so one thing I will say is that the last gift of the Trump administration was this thing that they call the 1776 report, which mm -hmm. is a telling of history that is comical in terms of how flawed it is. And uh, the presentation that I gave that is the backbone of this film is a pres presentation that I'm still giving, and it's three hours long. And if you saw the presentation that I gave a week ago on Wednesday, 
and you compared it to the presentation that was filmed for this documentary, you would see certain things that are similar, but it's radically different. And that's because there's so much that has happened that is, you know, connected uh, once again in ways we don't think of. So people think January 6th was the first time white supremacists tried to overthrow a government that elected uh, diverse candidates. And it's mm -hmm. not. And when they did it in Wilmington, North Carolina, it worked. And no one got prosecuted for it. And, you know, the vast majority of Americans have never heard that story. Not because they're, they wouldn't be interested, but because we don't teach that story. And so I think when people hear the real history, it, has, it does make them think, wait a minute. And that's that moment of cognitive dissonance, that wait a minute is, it seems to me, uh, the first step in doing something radically different. Mm -hmm. And to add, I guess this kind of segues perfectly into my next question. And this again is for the group. Your film feels so different from any other documentary I have seen about racism in America. And I, like, it's, it's just very unique personally when I was watching, I'm like, this is different. I know this is something that's very different from anything I've seen before on this subject. And I wanted to know, was that what you set out to do initially? I don't know that we were, we were comparing ourselves to, to other films at the time. I think we knew that we'd never seen a film um, based on a presentation like this. Mm -hmm. um, I've never seen a film with this structure before. Um, okay. So, so that was new for us, but I, I, you know, I'm, I, in terms of trying to ma make something different, we just wanted to make the, the best version of Jeff's talk that we possibly could. Yeah. I was completely unburdened by concerns about that because right. I didn't know anything about it. So I wasn't trying to do anything except do what I was doing. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, you know, doing that in terms of how this movie came together, I know I wasn't comparing us to anybody. And I was just, as I said, I was, I understood what, what my talk was and I was at all the interviews. So I know what interviews we had, but when that came together and the way it did, uh, it was quite remarkable. But we're very happy to hear you say that it's different from anything else you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no, really I. Proud. <clears throat> Oh yeah, I, I mean, honestly, it's just like when I was watching it, I was like, this feels different. It feels very unique. Like I, I know I've heard some of these things. I don't know if that's because like you said, you're sharing information that is not widely known to the public, like how you dissect the laws and how they are basically interwoven with white supremacy. It's, it's one of those things where like, you know, you think you're aware of it, but it's also that it's just, it's the way how you structured it. I think how you put it, like the structure of this film just feels so different. It stands out to me personally when we talk about films or the subject of slavery and racism. And just, again, I applaud you guys. Now I sound like I'm gushing. So I will move on to the next um, question. And Jeff, this is Jeffrey. Sorry, I just keep calling you Jeff, but I have an uncle, Jeffrey. Uh, so please, I'm just so okay. used Jeff to- Jeffrey is fine. It's okay. Okay. No I, I should have asked beforehand, but I, okay. Jeff, so then this question is for you. In the documentary, you refer to certain tipping points in history and how they reflect um, where we are in the present. I and I wanted for you to kind of expound on that a little bit more, if you are fine with that. I, I just think that as I put this stuff in a timeline, it was very clear to me that there were points in American history where 
the issue of enslaving people actually came to the, the literal center of the national discussion. So uh, there's all that history and the 1776 report goes on at length about how America wasn't even formed until July 4th, 1776. And it's as if the people who existed on July 3rd, 1776, and who had spent 170 years amassing wealth on the backs of enslaved black people, all of a sudden that was all washed away by the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So that's silly. But mm -hmm. as we formed the country, as we went from colonial to constitutional America, there was a tipping point because people were talking about slavery. And that's why those letters that the founders wrote to each other were so important. And you heard what they said, and then you saw what they did when they wrote the constitution. They doubled down. Mm -hmm. And then there was reconstruction after the civil war, another time where the issue of racism was clearly on the table and they doubled down with what happened after the civil war. And then in my lifetime, when I was 11, there's King and the civil rights movement from 55 to 68. And <clears throat> I literally thought that the world was about to change in front of my eyes and the stuff I had seen in my personal life that I understood from being a kid to integrating that Catholic school and the other experiences that I had, I was like, this is about to change. And he got shot. And Nixon and the war on drugs came back. And once again, race was at the center of the conversation. When you hear what Richard Nixon and Lee Atwater and all of the insiders were saying about the Republican theory. And we're at that same point again. And, you know, we were saying this in 2018. And, you know, a tipping point is not like a moment. It, it's a moment in time when you look at the history of the country, but it's not like a moment in a day. And so we've been there since 2018. The election was a roll in the right direction. And then you saw what happened on January 6th, because that's people that are desperate to be losing their privilege and they are pushing back. Did you think they were just gonna like sit and sip tea and say, oh, we're losing everything that we've built? No they're pushing back. So it's not clear which way we're going now, but I will say this, uh, in my view, this is America's last best chance to solve this issue. Because if we roll back now, I have no concept of what we're rolling back to. And you have all kinds of economists, all kinds of reports that demonstrate that if we simply continue on the path we're on, it will be more than a century before black people get to where white people are today economically. And of course, white people will have moved on by then. So we are at a tipping point again. And as you can see from the world, race is right in the center of the table. And this time it's us and our generations that are gonna decide which way it rolls. Wow, no, that, I love all of everything you just said, so. Um... Sorry, I'm like kind of almost caught off guard. I was just, again, I have to applaud you because you do a great job of just explaining all of it in a vibrant way. Um, so then my next question then is again for the group. Um, and I feel like this is something that's probably more recent when it comes, when we, when we talk, when society as a whole, when we talk about racism, 
Um, some people might say, or you've probably heard people say like, I am tired of talking slash hearing about racism. And I mean that in a way, not the people who want to ignore it for and like not acknowledge it, but the people who are just emotionally exhausted. Like speaking <clears throat> personally, I know there's been moments where it's like, I know this horrible thing just happened, but I truly do not have the emotional energy in me right now. Because in the last two years, I had so many people reach out to me when the protest and when Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And I just like, I have to just lay down and cry because I don't have the emotional <clears throat> energy to engage in conversation right now. However, and I, and I think, and I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional when I say this, but I think it's important for people to understand this film does not sap the emotional energy from me when when I watch this. And I, I just wanna know, what would you say to people who would say something along the lines of like, I'm tired of talking about racism or I'm tired of hearing about racism on that level, like to encourage them of like, this is still a necessary film for everyone to watch. <clears throat> so let me say something to you personally. Um, mm -hmm. I represented, I was a criminal defense lawyer for three decades before I came to the ACLU. And mm -hmm. I once represented two brothers from California who were marijuana dealers. And they brought huge loads of marijuana from Thailand to the United States, one every mm -hmm. year. And they were very unique people. And when they were uh, uh, arrested, and I'm talking to them about how they did it, one of the brothers said to me, if we had a deal in the jungles of Thailand on Monday, I got to Bangkok Wednesday night and I slept all day Thursday. And I got up early Friday and had a great meal. I would walk around the city, I would exercise and I'd go to bed early. And then I'd get up Saturday and do the same thing. And Sunday, the same thing. And by Monday, I was ready to do business. And he looked me in the eye and he said, rest is a weapon. And I never forgot that. You have an incredible life and career in front of you. And <clears throat> you are having to deal with the failures of my generation and the generation before that. Rest mm -hmm. is a weapon. And so if you, you cannot feel like you are doing anything other than stealing yourself, for a fight that is significant by getting the rest that you need. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm tired of hearing about racism. I understand that may be one way to describe the emotion. The way right. I have thought about it, it's not that I'm tired of hearing about it, it's that I need a break so I can come back to it again. Mm -hmm. So I think just that's one way for you to think about it because this is, you know, you're in, this is a long game. This is, right. not gonna, this is not going to be decided in my lifetime. This is the long game. And you are one of the critical people to play in that game. And at, I'm not sure how old you are, but I turned 65 in August. And so I'm looking mm -hmm. at who's coming next and how are they going to be able to do this work. So you've got to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and when I hear people say that, I understand, I get tired of this. I give the three hour presentation that I give and I have now at least come to the recognition that I can't do anything else that day. And at some point that day, you know, <clears throat> after I give it, I'll be sitting looking at a television show and I'll break into tears at, you know, some cowboy who like picks up his son. And it's like, 
I'm not crying about that. I'm crying about something else. And so just realizing that, you know, this work will have an impact on you because of what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, I'll tell you this, I, I, there's nothing else I would rather be doing. That's why I'm leaving the ACLU at the end of this month. The Who We Are project, this film is not the project. This film, as fantastic as it is, is an asset of the Who We Are project. And we are gonna, over the next five years, have a major impact on how people understand what our true history is and how it impacts the way things are today. So uh, I just wanted to say that to you personally, but to also say it is a struggle. And when you're tired, you've got to step away from it somehow. Well, thank you. And, you know, there are, um, and you hear, you know, white people, I think more than anyone else saying, oh, I just, why can't we just all hug and move on kind of feeling, right? You know, (laughs) let's just, let's just hug. And and, and that was terrible. But, you know, I don't know, you know, I I don't own enslaved people and and you're not an enslaved person. Let's just move on from this. And I think Mm -hmm. what this film is about, what the Who We Are project is about is there's no hugging and moving on from this without knowing this history. You can't, you know, we, we can't, we can't get anywhere. There's no progress unless we really know what happened. Um, mm-hmm. so, so this film is, is about getting at the truth. Um, and before we can, you know, we're not, we don't have the permission to, to move on from it and hug yet, right? We're, right. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't get that without knowing it and learning from it. And this, this film is not a replacement for those hard conversations. You know, those hard conversations still need to be had. Um, but what this film does do is it, it sets the table for them. You know, it, 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 it gives you the tools to have those conversations, you know. Um, and it's something that, 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 that can be shared among groups, you know, of, of people with different views and, and, and different backgrounds. Um, and, uh, and hopefully, you know, inspire some some real work to be done. Awesome. So thank you all for contributing to that question um, so beautifully. Um, and I guess that leads me to my last question. And again, this is for the group. Um, what or how do you want audiences to feel after they see this film? Jeff? Um, <laughs> uh, One of the, so one way I'd like them to feel is uh, described in a verse from one of my favorite bands, a band called Arcade Fire. I can't get my head around it. I thought I'd found it and I found out I don't know shit. That's what I'd like people to feel is I thought I knew and I didn't. I want them to feel like I felt. I felt humiliated, I felt angry, I felt ignorant. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but those are those are emotions that I think, you know, this is not tea and crumpets that we're talking about here. This is an ugly, right. ugly history. And once I forgave myself for not knowing it, I wanted to blame somebody else, but everybody else I would try and blame, my teachers, their teachers. I kept thinking, well, if they'd never got taught it, then who do, who do they blame? 
And so it just went from there to, you know, I wonder how many people don't know this. And that's, so I want people to have that feeling. And if they walk out with that feeling, then as Sarah said, and as Emily has said, it sets the table for, for difficult conversations going forward. Awesome. Um, well, I guess, I mean, Emily or Sarah, if you don't have anything else to add, I think that concludes. Okay, well. I, I can't go after that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I didn't, I almost didn't want to speak after that. <laughs> um, but wow, no, this has just honestly been a treat to talk to you all. Like, honestly, when I asked to, for an interview, I was not expecting getting all three of you. So I'm, I'm, it's just been a pleasure talking to you, learning about this film and like all the work and effort that went into creating such a beautiful piece. And I really hope that a lot of people get the opportunity to see it. Um, the film would not have been possible without the unique and specific contributions of the three of us. There were other people that contributed in major, major, major ways. But I'm just mm -hmm. saying that uh, they couldn't have made the film without my talk. My talk was not a film. And mm -hmm. the ability to take that, to take the interviews that we did and interweave those in the way that happened uh, is what makes me uh, proudest because uh, throughout my career, I've probably tried, I know I've tried more than 200 cases to, to verdict. And the cases I have enjoyed the most are cases that I co-counsel with other people because I've always believed that I am significantly better when I partner with somebody else who has different skills and it raises my game. I think it raises their game. And so uh, this was a partnership that was obviously with what we made of it, that's very special, but it was special to me because it confirmed you know, what I've known about myself, at least, uh, for my entire professional career is that I do my best work when I work with really, really talented people. Awesome. Well, um, I think that concludes everything. Um, if there's anything else you want to add, um, I'm happy to include it in the written piece for, like, you know, information on where people can find more or learn more. No well, definitely, like, the whowearepproject.org, which is not just the website for the film, but it's also the platform that Jeff is going to use to introduce the nonprofit to the world. Thank you. You know, I, I've got to remember just to say that because I do want people to know what the project is doing. And mm -hmm. if you go to that website right now, you will see that it is largely about the documentary, not completely, but largely. And mm -hmm. in the coming months, it will be changing to be uh, more specifically about the work of the project. Got it. I will definitely include that and I hope everyone goes and checks that out and thank you all again this has been a lovely talk and all I right. wish you the best at the film festival appreciate it appreciate it